You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fatalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, we got a little bit of a grab bag once again, but I, I want to start with this. Um, I, I was watching that quarterback thing on Netflix, and, and I, I am enjoying it. I haven't gotten uh, super far into it, uh, just one episode so far, but... Um, you know, it's it's interesting because the Chiefs, they started talking about the whole Tyreek Hill thing, right? They lost Tyreek Hill, and they gave kind of an interesting perspective. The Chiefs actually got off to a really slow start. Now, as soon as they talked about Tyreek Hill, I couldn't help but think about our situation. What was our situation? Well, very, very, very good offense. Knocking at the door, you know, getting into the playoffs, one of the best teams in football. Um and then we we both teams with that status lose their number one wide receiver, but with very different results, right? I in my mind, we fell off a cliff and the Chiefs didn't lose any steam. That's not true. If you watch this toward the end of the first season, or I guess right in the middle-ish, um, they start talking about how through three weeks, and they lost to the Colts in week three, and they they lost, I believe, on an interception by Pat Mahomes. They were just were not in rhythm. They could not get it going. And they, they showed all the clips of all the commentators saying, you know, this this we, we should have expected this. You lose your number one wide receiver. They can't get in the, the, the rhythm. They can't seem to figure this out. It's not the same offense. So I want to start with the commentators and then listen to what Andy Reid had to say after that. They don't have a number one wide receiver. They haven't gotten that ironed out yet. What Tyree, right, anything close. That's a concern. Tyree Hill's not there anymore. We're not seeing all the explosive plays. That was the difference in this game. You look at Kansas City, they do not have the offense to make up for it. People said, well, we lost our best receiver, which, you know, which arguably we did, best in the National Football League. And so, well, we won't be as good. Our pass game will be off. (laughs) And he just took that and ran with it. He said, hey, we're going to work at it. Higher. I think it's going to be higher. The amount of time that he spent with those guys is something that most quarterbacks uh, in this league have not done with their players. What have I said a thousand freaking times on this podcast? 
you actually think you're going to beat the best in the entire world and not go above and beyond. The way you win in the NFL or any other high-ranking national worldwide competition is you work when everybody else is sleeping. Well, Pat Mahomes was working and Aaron Rodgers was sleeping. And what was the result? Andy Reid just said it. They were struggling just like we were struggling after losing that number one wide receiver. They could not get the, the anything going. And Andy Reid said the amount of time. So, so Pat Mahomes took that to heart. He took it personal. And he took it upon himself to make sure that they fixed this. And he got all his guys and they worked and they worked and they worked and they worked and they fixed it and they won a freaking Super Bowl. What did we do? Not that. That's not what we did. There was no work prior to the season. There was no work in the offseason. There was no work in training camp, aside from what was mandatory. And then once the season started and, and things didn't seem to be going very well, did, did you know, after that drop, did Rodgers take Christian Watson under his wing and say, you know what, we're going to go out and we're going to work and we're going to work and we're going to work and we're going to make this work? No. He said, you go sit over there, you piece of crap. And he sat on our best wide receiver, basically sat on the bench the rest of the year. And our team just drowned. Nobody worked at anything. It was, it was just the same freaking mantra. Get on my level, you piece of crap. Why aren't you good? I'm good. Why aren't you good? Unfreaking believable how much that just makes me... Oh, what a waste. What an absolute waste of a season. Waste of an opportunity. Waste of talent. Waste, waste, waste. Freaking embarrassment. 2022 was you have to work when everybody else is sleeping that's what pat mahomes does that's why pat mahomes wins yes he's uber talented you know what so is aaron Rodgers, and so could have been aaron Rodgers. and it's not just him all those years he won mvp that's great for him how much better could it have been if there was a more proactive approach not to just make sure you're the greatest but to make sure your team is the greatest the kansas city chiefs started the exact same way we did. They lost their number one wide receiver. The offense was not working. It wasn't clicking. They were losing games early to teams they had no business losing to, like week three against the freaking Colts. That's the same situation we were in. We were losing to the Jets and the Giants and all these garbage football teams. Nobody even had their starting quarterbacks. And we were losing. And we never really figured it out. Right? Christian Watson came back. He was welcome back, and he exploded, but that really wasn't the offense got better. We just discovered that this guy's really good at football, and that one connection was there. Eventually, once week 10 rolled around. But that's very different than what the Chiefs had, which was just a high-functioning offense. We never had a high-functioning offense. Except, what, was it the the Rams game or something, where we actually just looked like a force to be reckoned with? That was about it. Then it all came crashing down, just like it always does. The most important game of the season. The one that determines if we get in. And guess what? The offense fell flat again. Shock of the century. That's the difference, though. People get all mad. Oh, what's the big deal? It's the offseason. Who cares? People that want to win Super Bowls care. How do you differentiate yourself from the teams that are also in the NFL? Everyone that's in the NFL is an elite football player. It's only the elite of the elite that get into the NFL. So how do you differentiate differentiate yourself from everybody else? I don't, I, I don't understand the mentality of, oh, big deal, lighten up. I don't get that. 
And yet these same people want to piss and moan about the the GM isn't doing good enough because apparently you just go out and get elite players and then elite players go out and do nothing, but then they're still elite and then they just win Super Bowls. Like, that's just how it works. They're not satisfied with the level of success we have, but expect nothing of the players, apparently. Especially if that player's name is Aaron Rodgers, who shall not be criticized no matter what. Reality is we were never going to win a Super Bowl in that situation. It was just never going to happen. We never had the right culture. We never had the right mentality about what it takes to actually win in the NFL. They never believed in themselves. That was a team just bursting with talent, but that talent never went anywhere because they never put in the right amount of of work. And I'm not talking about everybody, but the, the, the culture as a whole was not conducive to being a Super Bowl championship football team. It just wasn't. And I don't care if we have Aaron Rodgers for the next 10 years, that football team's not going to win a Super Bowl. Win a lot of games? Yeah. MVPs? Yeah, probably. Super Bowls? Nope. Not going to happen. Not with that freaking ridiculous garbage attitude mentality culture. Chill out, bro. It's not that big a deal. Okay, great. You get into the NFL, you play the best of the best of the best. Then you get into the playoffs, and it's only the elite among the elite who are among the elite. You think you're going to beat Patrick Mahomes in a Super Bowl, and you're not going to put in any effort? This dude doesn't freaking sleep. That's why Tom Brady never lost. He was never as talented as Aaron Rodgers. You know why he never lost? Because he's a psychopath about winning. He doesn't have half the talent of Pat Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. But he had a winning mentality, and he worked with a team that had a winning culture. A coach that instilled a winning culture, and a quarterback that demanded that winning culture. And the Packers don't have that, and that needs to change. Because this is what greatness looks like. Not some freaking hippie playing guitar in Hawaii in the offseason. Sorry, was that too far? Love you, Rogers. Thanks for, like, good times and all that. But I'm freaking pissed. The amount of time that he spent with those guys is something that most quarterbacks uh, in this league have not done with their players. It's exactly what I've been saying. You work when everybody else is sleeping. Pat Mahomes does things that nobody else is doing. He's working harder than everybody else, and that's why he's going to continue to stay in front of everybody else until somebody catches up. The Kansas City Chiefs have never had the most elite offense or defense or anything like that. They have an incredible quarterback and an incredible coach and an incredible culture. And part of that culture is we don't stop working. We're better than you and we're going to work harder than you. Packers have a better offensive line. They've had better running backs and defensive players and just, I mean, it's not even close on freaking defense. They got one good defensive player, but the defense always shows up and the defense always knows what they're doing. We got 19 first round picks running around in circles like chickens with their head cut off. Freaking joke of a franchise. They better wake up. Because it is, 2022 was a complete embarrassment. And everything that we're proud of as Packer fans, the, the prestige of this, everything that Matt LaFleur was talking about, about the standard that's set here, I got so sick of hearing him talk about the standard because nobody was able to display that. It was a joke. It's one thing if you're the Chicago Bears and you have no players, or the Lions who are just still building. Or the Lions who are at the tail end, they're, they're at the death cycle of the, you know, the, the, the end of their life cycle and need to begin this teardown process. The Packers are loaded with first-round picks all over the team. Aaron Rodgers is the league MVP, elite running back, great offensive line, dominant players from top to bottom, and they got a special teams unit working now, and it didn't matter. It was a complete top-to-bottom embarrassment. 
And unless and until this is the mentality that this is my focus, my life is football, from the coach to the GM to the quarterback to the freaking left guard, until this becomes an, a, a psychotic obsession for this team to become a team and, and, and a force to be reckoned with, not just in their mind, like, oh, I was out at the club all weekend, and now I'm back, and I'm ready to, like, you know, like when you go to the gym and you put your headset in, you get, like, real jacked up for, like, a minute just to do that rep, and then you calm down. No, I'm talking about that's your life. And everything I do, from the way that I eat, to the way that I talk, the way that I think, the people I hang out with, the, the, the way that I spend my time, it's either me trying to improve myself and make this team what it needs to be, or I need to admit that I don't really actually care. Because there's no way in the world that you're going to compete even on a personal level, you want to get that next big paycheck. Congratulations. You cannot compete with the rest of the guys in the NFL because while you're sitting around playing on your freaking Xbox, somebody else out there is running routes. And he's catching passes from his quarterback. And when his quarterback isn't out there, he's like Romeo Dobbs, who after practice grabs a member of the staff and says, no, 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 I need you to feed this jugs machine because I got work to do. That's the culture that needs to be here. Because there are players that aren't going to care. They got a quarterback in Arizona that doesn't give a crap. The guy's got a video game obsession. And his, his team and his career is spiraling rapidly. And make no mistake, that is a part of it. Anyways, you know, as I'm, as I'm watching it, the, the biggest thing is I'm, I'm genuinely inspired by the Chiefs, which is hard to say because I really don't like the Chiefs at all. Any team that consistently wins, I get really tired of them and I don't like them. But but it is inspiring to watch. And and you you really start to see a difference in the teams. Um in terms of the caliber. Because as a Packer fan you feel like we're we're we've been a top team since forever with a couple down years, but we we've been at the top and you know you kind of look at it and just go, I don't think so. I mean, you've been a top team, and it's possible you could have won a Super Bowl at some point. You know, just anything can happen. You get in, and ball bounces your way and whatnot. Um, but you just really start to feel like the Chiefs are a separate caliber of team. And um, it really is, on, on one level, respect and admiration for what they do and how good they are. But on another level, it really just feels like we, we or I have been missing it, you know? Um, I think we've all kind of been sleeping a little bit. Like, we, this, this almost sort of arrogance, like, we don't have to try because we got Aaron Rodgers, you know? There's been no expectation of anybody. It's just been a matter of, I don't know, go find some good players and Rodgers will go be elite and we'll just go win. That's not it. It's not. And I know Rodgers was, was working, and he was working out, and I, I understand all of that. But there's a difference between just being obsessed, where this is all you can think about. I mean, I'm, I'm uncomfortable watching it because these guys after the game, you know, uh, whether it's Pat Mahomes, in, in a, they're having a big party, and he's just talking about the game. And it was probably a, a after-football party party anyways. But then you got uh, Kirk Cousins. He's sitting around the fire with his family, and he's talking about football. And it's like, dude, they don't want to hear about football. Like, your wife doesn't want to hear you talk about football. And your kids don't want to hear about, like, oh, man, I missed that pass. And, you know, it was such a great play design. And, like, you're just talking to yourself. Like, just go be with your kids. But they're obsessed. They're absolutely obsessed. It's all they think about. It's all they talk about. It's all they do. And I, I just feel like Rodgers being at the back end of his career football became a job to him. He's, of course, incredibly talented. 
But when you remove the obsession and that psychotic desire and drive, not just in season, right? Of course, he's a, a psychopath, and that's why he gets so angry at everybody not doing all the right things or whatever, because he's obsessed in the moment. But he doesn't love it, and he's not obsessed outside, you know, in the off season, during the bye week. You know, he likes his downtime. He wants to hang out and read a good book and drink some scotch and get away. Like everybody else, you want to get away from your job. That's understandable for your average Joe 9 to 5. That's not conducive to being a world champion. And so, you know, again, I, I just feel like a lot of us have kind of missed it and not really seen it and not really respected it. And um, it is good to see that the guys that we have, I can't speak for everybody, but it seems as though... They're of that mindset, which makes sense. They're younger. Not that everybody who's young, some guys are young, they come in and play video games all day long. But a lot of these younger guys, th this is their obsession. This is what Jordan Love does 24-7. Now, is he a good football player? I don't know. But at least he has this component, and, and more importantly than that, than any one player that works hard. Like, Rashawn works hard, we know that. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I believe strongly that Jair is a worker, even though he doesn't put it all over social media. We know Romeo Dobbs is a worker. We know Jordan Love is a worker. But more importantly than any of that is the culture. When the culture shifts from whatever it was when Aaron Rodgers was there, where it was just sort of like the good old boys with Rodgers and uh, Bakhtiari and just the, the crew that's like, ah, oh, chill out, you know, whatever. Another day, another dollar. I'm only here for the money, Bakhtiari. When the culture shifts from that to a new culture that is, you, you don't have to be like us, but this is what we do, right? So... Unlike Aaron Rodgers, where the expectation was be great, the expectation now is work like you want to be great. It wasn't about the work. It was about just be good at this or get out of my face. Be a good football player or get off the field. I don't care what you got to do to get here, but get here or get out of my face. You know, the, the standard is greatness, but I think that there's different ways that you can interpret that. On one hand, you've got the kind of greatness that is you're just very good at something. On the other hand, greatness is in your preparation. It's in your mentality. It's in how you act and how you prepare. Greatness is a mindset. And so I don't think the, the, the standard of greatness has changed in Green Bay, but I do think the way that it's implemented has. And I think it's an important shift. It's an unfortunate shift because we lose that elite quarterback, which is the thing that you need. It's a, that's the thing with the Chiefs. They have both. It's funny that the next thing I want to talk about is the same thing, where it's like, you've got this, and then you've got this, and then you've got both. And the Chiefs just happen to be that freaking intersection between a mentality of being great and just freaking being great, you know? And yeah, sometimes you can get by by just being great and not really trying. That, that does happen sometimes. And sometimes you can not be super great and try hard and get there. But man, if you can find that intersection... It, it, you know what it reminds me of is the whole thing with when Matt LaFleur came. Aaron Rodgers was always a good quarterback. But what did I say when Matt LaFleur came and he was, it was this quarterback-friendly system and whatever? The year before he won the Super Bowl, or the, the MVP, I said he could win the, the, the MVP. Absolutely. It just it makes sense. Because you've got the intersection between a quarterback who's already great, and then you add into that a quarterback-friendly system, and you've just got this marriage that is terrifying. And it worked while it worked. Anyways, I want to take a break here because I want to um, dive into the next thing, which is actually very similar to this. It was an interesting discussion I saw on uh, a podcast. I think it had Benjamin Solak and some other people, but 
kind of just different mentalities about how to play football. And I, I think that there was a different mentality with the old Aaron Rodgers crew than with the what Matt LaFleur does. And, of course, again, that intersection leads you to the Kansas City Chiefs. But why don't we go ahead and take a break? Patreon.com forward slash Packer underscore daddy if you want to support the podcast or hit me up on Venmo, Packernet Podcast. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, so I want to play this. It's a little over two minutes long, which is kind of long. I'm not sure if it's all entirely necessary, but we can just listen for two minutes. Um, This is the Ringer NFL show. I didn't say that the best way to... Uh, bucket those offenses w- was with like shotgun and understand. I said it was the easiest way to do it. I think the best way to do it, and there's actually this debate going on. It's starting to percolate on like weird corners of soccer internet. Is I'm interested. There's this like conflicting ideas on the on either ends of the philosophical spectrum. On one end, you have something that they call positionalism, and this is like Pep Guardiola branded positionalism. I agree with the other guys. Well, there's a lot of Sight translation. Unseen. Okay, there's a fair. lot of translation, so it kind of gets lost cool. in translation. Cool. Cool. But okay. on the other end of positionalism, posi- and like if I'm doing NFL analogies, positionalism would be Kyle Shanahan. 
Like okay. we want guys in certain spots at certain times. It, it, it could be different bodies. It could be like Kyle Uzcheck. It could be George Kittle, and that's like where you get the flexibility within this rigid system. And on the other end of that, and this and this is like a growing trend, especially in South America, because there's like this debate in Brazil right now where the the national team isn't doing as well because there's too much European influence and positional play is like that European influence. The Europeans just out here ruining our Brazilian football. Right. They're like, just let our players cook, just let them hoop. (laughs) And like, that's called relationism. And it's like how players relate on the pitch and how they express themselves. I love the way that like soccer analysts talk about their sport. It's like so much more, it's like more poetic. They're like, players don't play, they express themselves. So you can kind of probably see where I'm going with this, but I I feel like, this is a more elegant way to describe sort of what I and I think a lot of us have been feeling about the tension between, well, within the Green Bay Packers offense. Because what the Packers wanted to bring into the Green Bay Packers for for the offense is positionism. And they wanted to get away from relationism. The... Positionism, as he said, is Kyle Shanahan. It is the Matt LaFleur offense. It all has to do with getting bodies in space. It's about using intelligence and using play designs to get people open, right? That's sort of the European influence of soccer. I'm just going off what he says. I don't know anything about soccer. But it's all mathematical. It's, It's geometry, you know? Whereas relationism, as he put it, is let your... It's about letting your superstars go play and be superstars. It's about Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. It's about your really good players working on just getting that timing down so that you guys are just unstoppable. I don't think Rodgers ever got away from relationism, and we saw it especially in 2022 when his full-on disgruntled attitude toward the offense. He just didn't like it. He went from, again, first of all, as many people have pointed out, he didn't like McCarthy's offense. He was complaining and pissing and moaning about it constantly. He openly praised Kyle Shanahan and that style of offense while McCarthy was here and talked about the beauty of it and all that stuff. And then it comes here and all he wants to talk about is what they used to do with McCarthy and all that kind of stuff. And it seemed like, especially in 2022, he really wanted that to be a thing. And that's also why he was so, he was hit so hard when Devontae left because it's all about, you know, let my guy cook. Well, this isn't basketball. This isn't soccer where, where the quarterback, I mean, I, I guess if you're, Lamar Jackson or uh, Justin Fields or something, maybe you can take the entire offense in your hands and just go score points. But for everybody else, you got to have somebody on the other side. And he didn't have that relationship with anybody else. He didn't have that relationism. This thing where it's like, we're just a group of really talented guys that just work really well together. I think that caused a lot of tension in the the Packers' offense because you've got a, a offense that is based on positionism and you have a quarterback who plays within the the framework of relationism he's looking for a relationship i'm elite who else here is going to be elite that i can work with again that goes back to what i said in the first half where it's like get on my level why aren't you good why aren't you great because that's all that matters i'm here i'm elite and i'm looking for that elite guy to step up and be that dog with me so we can go out and just tear it up man doesn't matter what the play call is. Like, well, you call in something stupid. I'm going to change the play, right? Remember Aaron Rodgers with this stupid effing play thing? I think he was talking to McCarthy, but maybe he was talking to Matt LaFleur. I don't remember. He yelled at everybody. But 
yeah, it was you call in something. If I like it, we'll run it. If not, I'll change it. I'm going to figure out the right play. I'm going to get everybody in the right spot. Me and the boys, I'm going to talk to my elite offensive line. We're going to be able to communicate. I'm going to talk to my elite wide receivers. We're going to be able to communicate, and we're just going to get this thing done. But again, what happens when you don't have these elite players all around you anymore? What are you going to do? It falls apart. Whereas positionism is about, of course, you want elite players. This is where that intersection comes in. This is where the Chiefs come in. Because you have this elite scheme that has people wide open, like Travis Kelsey, who for some reason defenses forget to cover, except they're not forgetting it. It's just Andy Reid is a freaking wizard who gets people open, including star football players. And you have those elite players like Mahomes and Kelsey who have that relationship, right? You've got these guys that can cook and can just tear everybody's freaking head off. And when you have those two things intertwined, that's when you have greatness, which, by the way, is why the Green Bay Packers in 2020 had the number one offense in football. You had the relationism with a great quarterback who I do believe had more buy-in in in 2020, but also he's an elite quarterback and he has Devontae there, right? You've got the relationship and you've got the scheme that gets people open. We're, We're probably leaning more on the relationism than the positionism, but, you know, it is what it is. And so... Anyways, I I heard that and immediately thought of the Packers because that's what happens. I hear things and I think about the Packers. So anyways, again, I I understand all of it. I understand Aaron Rodgers is as good as it gets. And I understand that you don't just move in a new direction, although they clearly started that process relatively early, right? I think that was kind of the intention when they changed everything. You know, they got rid of the coach. They got rid of a bunch of the players. They replaced the GM. Um, the intention was what are you knocking at my door? Weird when you get the house to yourself and you hear noises like, what the heck was that? But I mean, the, the picture, whether I'm right or not, seems relatively clear though. We are going to transition into something new. And, and that is part of the Jordan Love situation. He was handpicked to be a guy that's going to run this system. And, um, you know, Rogers wasn't that dude, but He's still freaking Rodgers, especially when Rodgers becomes Rodgers again, right? I mean, 2018 was a disaster, not necessarily because of Rodgers, but it was just a disaster. It's what caused everything to need to be turned upside down. In 2019, it just, it was kind of okay. Rodgers still wasn't really Rodgers. And then 2020 hit and it's like, oh, freaking A, there, there it is, right? But it's, it's sort of like there's this weird period where everything kind of just hit pause, Right, we 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 were going to change everything. Matt Lafleur comes in to run this new system. We got a quarterback. We're going to change the. We're going to change everything, and we're going to start building in this new direction. But at the same time, we're so good at the quarterback position, we're going to keep it like that. And it's like, well, it doesn't really go together very well. It's like, well, freaking suck it up and make it work, you know. Um, And so, again, I'm not anticipating things just become magically amazing. We were the best offense in football in 2020. I don't expect us to leapfrog that, to become like, you know, whatever. (laughs) I don't know how you can go above that, but it it just seems like this this is pushing unpause. We're continuing this process now. And and it may take a long time. I don't know how long it's going to take. We got to that's that's the whole point of 2022 really or 2023 whatever year it is. The entire point really I mean obviously you want to win as many games as you can. Heck, if we can win a Super Bowl, thumbs up. That's fantastic. 
But really, we need to assess what we have and what we don't have. Do we have a quarterback? Do we have the wide receivers we need? Do we have the tight ends we need? Um, potentially, we have everything we need, and it just comes down to be, being really, really good at what it is we do and becoming that Chiefs team that has the, uh, if I can even remember the terms now because I got rid of it, positionism versus relationism, and have the work ethic collide with the you know, being elite and just have all that stuff culminate into just being a dominant football team. But, you know, that this that's really kind of what we're dealing with here. This is the ground floor of the rebuild that started in 2019, which is funny because 90% of the t- players that were brought in during the initial rebuild are gone already. I mean, just look at the free agents we brought in. Zadarius is gone. Amos is gone. Billy Turner is gone. Preston's still here, but, you know, the draft picks obviously are still hanging around, which is the most important part of that. But it, it was just a weird period. You know, we're, we're, we're doing a rebuild, and the rebuild goes way better than anybody expected. So then we just say, screw the rebuild. Let's hit pause on that. Stab the gas pedal as hard as we can to really go all the way in. Spend all the money. Break all the rules. Do everything we can. And then we miss, and we miss, and we miss, and now it's like, all right, never mind. I guess that didn't work. It was fun. It was a fun ride, but we didn't win, so let's unpause what we had planned a long time ago and and see what we got here. And that's what we're doing. We're going to see what we got here. Anyways, very short, but I feel like pivoting to something else kind of would lose its luster a little bit. I'm proud of the work I've done today. Those are the two main things, and I don't want to get into some obscure news that came up. So I'm just going to leave it at that. It's probably the shortest episode I've done in a long time. But I am going to leave it at that. You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.